When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey there, welcome to The Tent. I'm your host, Scott Fellman, and it's time for yet another foray into the world of aquariums from a slightly different perspective. The expectations that we have about our botanical-style aquariums after years of playing with this stuff are pretty well known by now. We know that the botanical materials are dynamic, and they simply don't last indefinitely when submerged. They're not permanent additions to our aquariums. Yet there's still so many things about using botanical materials in our tanks that we don't all seem to have grasped, like... The idea that we're adding these materials not only to influence the aquatic environment in our aquariums, but to provide food and sustenance for a wide variety of organisms, not just our fishes. The fundamental essence of the botanical style aquarium is that the use of these materials provide the foundation of an ecosystem, that essence, just like they are in nature. And the primary processes which drives this closed ecosystem is decomposition. Decomposition of leaves and botanicals not only imparts the substances contained within them, you know, lignin, organic acids, and tannins, just to name a few, uh, it not only, you know, imparts that into the water, it serves to nourish bacteria, fungi, and all these other microorganisms and crustaceans, facilitating basic, you know, a basic food web within the botanical-style aquarium, if we allow it to. Decomposition of plant matter and, you know, leaves and botanicals occurs in several stages. It starts with leaching. Soluble carbon compounds are liberated during this process. Another early process is the physical breakup or fragmentation of the plant material into smaller pieces, which have greater surface area for colonization by microbes. And of course, the ultimate state to which leaves and other botanical materials evolve is our old friend detritus, which we've talked about a gajillion times here. And of course, That very word, as we've mentioned before, has frightened and motivated many hobbyists over the years into removing as much of the stuff as possible from their aquariums whenever and wherever it appears. Like, siphoning detritus is just the sort of thing that we're asked about nearly nearly constantly. And it makes sense, too, because, you know, our aquariums, by virtue of the materials they utilize, produce substantial amounts of this stuff. Now, the idea of detritus takes on different meanings in our botanical-style aquariums. Our aquarium definition of detritus is typically agreed to be dead particulate matter, including you know, fecal material, dead organisms, mucus, etc. And bacteria and other microorganisms will colonize this stuff and decompose or remineralize it, essentially completing the cycle. And despite their impermanence, these materials function as pretty diverse harbors of life, ranging from microbial, you know, fungal and biofilm mats to algae to microcrustaceans and even epiphytic plants. Decomposing leaves and seed pods and tree branches, you know, make up a substrate for a, a complex web of life, which helps the fishes that we're so fascinated by flourish. It's no secret. And if you look at them objectively and carefully, these assemblages and the processes which form them are beautiful. And the realization that this is not a style of aquascaping is really, really important. 
And I think it's something that we're starting to recognize more and more and more as we see, you know, more of these aquariums going up. This is one of the most fascinating aspects of a botanical style aquarium. We have the opportunity to create an aquatic microcosm, which provides not only unique aesthetics, it provides nutrient processing and to some degree a self-generating population of creatures with nutritional value for our fishes on a more or less continuous basis. An important part of this little microcosm are fungi. Yes, we've talked about it before and you'll hear me talk about it again. Fungi. Now, fungi reproduce by releasing little tiny spores and then germinate on new and, you know, hospital surfaces, which is pretty much anywhere they damn well please. These aquatic fungi are involved in the decay of wood and leafy material. And of course, when you submerge terrestrial materials in water, growths of fungi tend to arise. Anyone who's ever cured a piece of wood of almost any type for your aquarium can attest to this. Uh, fungi tend to colonize wood because it offers them a lot of surface area to thrive and live out their life cycle. And cellulose, hemocellulose, and lignin, the major components of wood and botanical materials, are degraded by fungi, which possess specialized enzymes that can digest these materials. Now, fungi are regarded by biologists to be the dominant organisms associated with decaying leaves and streams, so this gives you some idea as to why we see them in our aquariums, right? And of course, fishes and invertebrates, which live amongst and feed directly upon the fungi and the decomposing leaves and botanicals, contribute further to the breakdown of these materials. Aquatic fungi are remarkably productive. They can break down the leaf matrix and make the energy available to feeding animals in all sorts of aquatic habitats. The fungi that are known as aquatic hypomycites, try that at your next cocktail party, produce enzymes which can cause leaf maceration, and in as little as two to three weeks, as much as 15% of the decomposing leaf biomass in a given aquatic habitat is processed by fungi, according to one university study that I found. This process is important in wild habitats, just as it is in the aquarium. In fact, in experiments carried out by aquatic ecologists in tropical forests of Venezuela, decomposition rates were surprisingly fast, with 50% of the leaf mass lost in streams occurring in less than 10 days. So 50% of all that volume of leaves that falls in at a given time is taken out in less than 10 days. That's a remarkable. The ultimate result, of course, is the transformation of what ecologists call coarse particulate organic matter, or CPOM, into fine organic, fine particulate organic matter, which is known as, surprisingly, FPOM, which may constitute an important food source for a lot of other organisms that we call deposit feeders, That's which is uh, another way of saying aquatic animals that feed on small pieces of organic matter that have you know, drifted down through the water and settled on the substrate. There's also filter feeders, animals that feed by straining suspended organic matter and small food particles from water, as well as worms, planaria, and insects. Now, by studying and encouraging the growth of this diversity of organisms and creating a real multifaceted you know, faceted microcosm of life in our tanks, I believe that we're contributing to an exciting progression of the art and science of aquarium keeping. And I have a theory that many of these things, these processes and the life forms which create them, that we as hobbyists often try to edit, polish, or skip altogether, are often the most important and foundational aspects of botanical style aquarium keeping. It's why I literally pounded into your head over and over and over that not only shouldn't you try to circumvent these processes and occurrences, you should embrace them and attempt to understand exactly what they mean for the fishes that we keep. They're a key part of the functionality. And rather than fear them and loathe them and panic when you see this stuff, you should say, wow, what's going on here? Why is this happening? And how does this benefit the aquatic system? You know, 
Starting your aquarium by populating it with botanical materials that will slowly decompose is absolutely analogous to what happens in wild aquatic habitats, right? When leaves and stuff fall in. In nature, you know, terrestrial materials covered by water are the basis for almost every aquatic ecosystem. The, the processes of decomposition and colonization and utilization of these materials by an enormous variety of organisms is truly what powers most of these ecosystems. And it works exactly the same in the aquarium. If we let nature do her work without excessive intervention, that's the hard part. Now, further, I'm thinking that we should do less and less preparation of certain botanical materials, specifically wood, to encourage a slower breakdown and colonization by beneficial bacteria and fungal growth. Now, the wrap on wood has always been that it gives off a lot of tint-producing tannins, you know, much to the progressive freak-out of non-botanical-style aquarium people who worry that their water's turning brown or whatever. However, to us, all those extra tannins are not really not much of an issue, right? We're like, hey, bring it on. Weigh down the wood, let it cure in situ before adding your fishes, boom, you're done. And then there's the whole concept of getting fishes into the tank as quickly as possible. Uh, we're having an up, uh, a really special upcoming guest, Chris Engelzoo, um, great aquarist, biotope expert. Uh, and um, Chris and I had a good conversation the other day. Uh, this, by the way, his uh, podcast will be on uh, Friday. Uh, we had a great conversation the other day, and he was talking about why is there such a rush to get fish into the tank? It's something that we both share a, a, a view on. Uh, like, why? Uh, we, we need to slow our roll here. I've written about and spoken about this idea before, and no doubt many of you have thought about this. Pre-colonizing your aquarium with beneficial life forms before you ever think of adding fishes to it and establishing sort of a functional hardscape environment at the same time. This is not a crazy idea. It's something that's been done for years. It's a way to sort of get the system broken in with a functioning little food web and nutrient export processes already in place before you ever get the fish in there. It's a chance for life forms to, that would otherwise likely fall prey to the fishes when you put them in, to sort of get a foothold and multiply to help create a sustainable population of you know, self-generating prey items for your fishes when you add them. So you set up your aquarium complete with some botanicals, leaves, and wood, and add cultures of animals like I don't know, paramecium, rotifers, euglenids, uh, gamorous, daphnia, all that kind of stuff. You can get these from biological supply houses or educational places. Just do a Google search. It's your friend. You'll find it. And just let these animals go to work, you know, on the decomposing leaves and, and, and botanicals. The hard part is waiting. Yeah, waiting to add any fishes for at least a couple of months or so to really give... Um, you know, these organisms a chance to settle in and reproduce. Um, you know, that is not something that we're, you know, programmed to do. Trust me, it's not as easy as you might think. I get it. You spend all this money on a cool idea for an aquarium and getting the equipment and getting the stuff, you're ready to go. And then you're looking at a tank, you know, that's dark and filled with the occasional daphnia. Wow, crazy, right? I can hear the groaning already. I'm really, though, having trouble grasping exactly what the problem is with this approach, other than the obscene amount of patience that we have to deploy as hobbyists waiting for our tanks to settle in and be just right for fishes. Remember, we're not just about an aesthetic here. I keep saying that. Like, where's the food web? Where's the functionality of a system? These things form over time, but from day one, you have a box filled with botanicals, sand, leaves, and wood. We can do better in this regard, right? How come we haven't? Is it because we've always been told not to start aquariums this way? I mean, maybe. I mean, the aquariums that we play with, you know, in our own world uh, are not exactly conventional, right? So why should the way we establish them be? 
Now, going more slowly doesn't have to be this tortuous, painful process. There's a lot to enjoy, a lot of things you can look at as it's going. Uh, and of course, there's a few things that you could do to sort of expedite the established look of a botanical style aquarium, but that's just sort of the hacks. I hate that word. And they're not really substitutes for letting the tank evolve over time naturally. They're like, okay, Feldman, what are they? Okay, so you could use some botanicals and partially decomposed leaf litter, substrate, and even water from an established botanical style tank to give you a little bit more of an evolved vibe and definitely some microbial populations and therefore some function right off the bat. You could. And if doing this for purely functional reasons, as opposed to just trying to hack the look, I can actually see a tremendous amount of merit to this idea. I mean, hell, adding sand or gravel from an established tank to jumpstart a new one or filter floss or whatever has been the standard practice in marine aquariums and freshwater aquariums for decades. Doing this with botanical materials, you know, rich with detritus, fungal growth, and beneficial bacteria is simply the botanical style version of this time-honored, you know, process, right? And it just makes perfect sense. Yeah, there's no substitute, though, for patience in the passage of time. Don't forget that. Looking back on some of my favorite tanks that I've executed in the past few years, it becomes increasingly obvious to, to all that these systems really don't hit that look and feel that we expect until long after they've evolved naturally, however long that is. Stuff needs to require a patina of biofilm, a stain from the tannins, and decomposition of botanical materials needs to really begin before one of these systems turns functional as well. I mean, every new botanical style tank looks cool from day one. A lot of people love the clean and fresh looking leaves and seed pods and want them squeaky clean. And that's fine. You can do that and change them out, polish them, whatever. But the long established systems are the ones that really stand out. The, the ones that have all of this growth and, and, and decomposition. It's something different and they operate much, much, much differently than we'd expect. Now, the thoughts I just shared about kickstarting are metaphorical band-aids. They're props. They're helpful quick starts. Again, hacks, if you will. But they're not the whole key to establishing a successful, long-term viable aquarium. Ultimately, nature, the ultimate editor, has to approve and work with any of the boosts that we offer. Nature, and nature alone, dictates the pace. The reality is that the journey to the so-called finished product is really every bit as interesting as the finished product itself. It's where the magic lies, the process, the journey, the time, the evolution, the patience. You could even run your tank dry in the uh, urban agapo style for some period of time before filling if you're uber patient. All of these processes rather elegantly or crudely, I suppose you could say, mimic some of the things that happen in nature as the rainy season or the dry season, as the case may be, progress. You could conceivably start your tank in the agapo dry season or vice versa and progress it from there. Each one of these manipulations has multiple implications, benefits, consequences, influences, and lessons to be learned. And any one of them can be a key factor in the successful husbandry of a number of fishes. We just need to try. They all require a little creativity, a little vision, and a hell of a lot of patience to allow some space for nature to do her thing. That's the essence of a botanical-style aquarium. Stay patient. Stay diligent. Stay methodical. Stay curious. Stay unique and always stay wet. Until next time, this is Scott Feldman from Tenant Aquatics. Thanks for spending part of your day with me, and I look forward to seeing you on the next installment of The Tin.